So yeah, we're here at the end, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, and um, uh, you still can, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, Matt was talking about the iTunes podcast, we still have an iTunes podcast, you still can access it, but it's just kind of this weird glitch in it, so um, you can go back, I would encourage you to just, if you need to remember, like what we've been talking about, we've been talking about uh, living this, this theme in Ephesians, and What's cool about Ephesians is there's a lot of themes. There's a lot of big themes in Ephesians. Um, one of them, though, is, is, is us learning to live the life that we're built to live, that, that God, the creator of the universe, knit us together. And that may be the singular thought that may encourage you on a bad day, is that there was a day, there was a time, there was a, a, a time in the history of God that, um, that he knit you together, Amen. and that he knit you together perfectly, and uh, he knit you together with a plan, and, and, but with, a, with parameters, though, too, to know that there's a way that me and you, we're built to live, uh, and there are certain things and certain ways that we've learned to live that, uh, that aren't how we're built, and, and we know how that feels. Amen. You know, we know how that feels, that, to live a clunky life. Right. And to live kind of that life where it's always like everything's difficult and there's we know what bitterness feels like. And we know it's cynicism and anxiety and all these things. And 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 we know that, man, this is uh, this isn't how God built us. We're precisely tuned. Amen. You know, I love watching the videos that Ryan had of those cool Ferraris and those things. Those those puppies are finely tuned. Right. I don't know if you can put 87 octane in a Ferrari, can you, and have it run really well, right? I mean, it, you know, the, the manufacturer of Ferrari was like, listen, I'm building this thing, and there are some parameters that this puppy runs on. Yeah. And, and when you own a Ferrari, man, you follow those parameters, right? Because you want that thing. You hear that engine? That yeah, yeah, but, but Ryan does, right? And, and, and even hearing that, he was showing me the video. Have you ever heard one of those engines, what they sound like? Man, it sounds so good. Right? And it's so amazing. It sounds different than my 2002 Chevy Trailblazer. <laughs> All right? I'm just, it just is it's different. And, and here's the thing. Here's the question as we're studying Ephesians. It is, are you running that way? Hmm. Like precisely and like that finely tuned performance machine that God built me and you to be like. All right? To just purrs, man. I mean, it's just like, you know. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, there's not hills and curves and all these different things in the road, but, but we take those differently, right? We take them differently. I loved, uh, you know, these last couple of songs that we sang uh, made me think of, of Ephesians. And, and here's why is we, uh, you know, Matt brought up, and I think it's such a great reminder, is constantly reminding us that these words are so powerful. Amen. Um, and, and especially the word Hallelujah. All right, we say that, and sometimes we even have forgotten what it means, and it actually is an allegiance to God. It's Amen. praise God. We know Yahweh. We know Yahweh is God, and that's hallelujah, is we're praising God. When we say that word, what we're saying is, is I don't praise anything else. Like, it's specifically praising you, and that, that's really, I think, I think at the end of Ephesians, when we finish this up next week, the, the, and we're done with it, I think if Paul were to come into our congregation 
and ask us, like, how was that for you? Like, how was that book that, that I wrote, uh, that I was inspired to write, how was that for you? I think if the only thing that came from it was we were like, praise God, I think Paul would go, that's what I wanted. That's, that's ultimately the expression of what we were built to do, Amen. right? As we live and we're built in the way, as we live that way, the fruit of that is praise God. Amen. Not because life is easier and not because there's no like, you know, difficult areas of life, but because of how immense God is, okay? And so as we've been going through chapter one and two and three and four and five, there's this progression even that Paul talks about. And it's a progression of like a sharp, a sharp faith, not a dull faith, not an apathetic faith. And he, he builds it on the character of God. And then in chapter four, he gets into it and he's like, hey, guys, here's how you live now. And in, in chapter five, he talked about even the parameters of sexual immorality. And he talked about the parameters of impurity, coarse joking, of 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 greed, and it's this idea of he's painting this picture of this is this is dull living, yeah. and he's calling us from the first three chapters into a sharpening, yeah. and, and hopefully you're feeling that too. Hopefully your faith. I know I've been more and more, and the more I read this, the more I'm like, wow, my faith is becoming sharper, like my focus is becoming sharper. Like this is really amazing, although very difficult too. I mean, really chapter four and five and six, they're calling us to some really difficult things, right? I remember last week we talked about the idea of being subject, submit to one another, okay? But then he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And, you know, you can Google that. You can go and Google that, and, and, and you'll find 10,000 articles trying to describe what that means. And you know what's interesting? Paul didn't describe what it means. He said what it meant. Yeah. All right? And he reminds us of a principle, and this is one of those things as we read the Bible, is discerning, okay, is something I just read a command? If it's a command, then what's our response to it? What's the desire? What are, how are we supposed to respond to a command? is to do it, right? I mean, you can't just believe a command, okay? If you're in the army, all right, and you're going to war, and, and he's like, no, go, now go, charge, get in there. And you're like, you know what? I believe that guy. <laughs> People would be like, you're the worst soldier in the world. And you're going to get killed, okay? Because you're not, because a command is not meant to be just believed, Okay, and it's not a command isn't meant isn't waiting for us to feel like it before we obey it. Wow. Right. Sometimes we get mixed up in Christianity because we're like, you know, God doesn't honor just like blind obedience. Uh, I don't know where we came up with that, <laughs> because it's clear. Paul is like, no, do this. He doesn't say, hey, when you feel like it and when your heart is totally like where it's supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. He's like, man. So we have to discern. And it's important as we read through this is going, hold on, is that a command? What if it's not a command? What if in the Bible you're reading it every day and it's a promise? What are we meant to do with that then? Right, it's this idea of that's the truth. No matter what I see anywhere else, that's the truth, okay? Is the promise we've got to like wrap our minds. That's a different thing 
all right? And, and so it's this idea of discerning as we read, okay, what am I actually being called to? And that way we're able to live how we're really the life we're built to live because we're understanding like what we're being asked to do here, okay? So we have this uh, Ephesians, um, just a little background, okay? This is just kind of important as we handle it, is Ephesians was part of what are called Paul's prison letters. These are letters he probably wrote while he was in prison in Rome, probably like 60-ish AD or so. Um, What were some others? This is just really kind of important thing to know contextually. What are the other letters he wrote while he was in prison? Can you name a couple of them? There's four, historically four. Yeah, Ephesians was one, Philippians was another, no, Philemon, Colossians was the other one, that's what you're going to say, right? <laughs> that's what you meant to say. Uh, and, and it's interesting because if you want the Cliff Notes version of what we're about to read, Colossians 3. He literally takes Ephesians 6 and in about four verses says the same exact thing. So if you're just feeling like, I don't want to read an entire chapter today, <laughs> okay? There's a little, you can go to Colossians 3, Cliff Notes Version. Okay, you got that right around verse 20 or so. Okay, um, so let's start out here again, okay? This is Ephesians 6, verse 1, um, and uh, we're going to go ahead right here, okay? Is lock in for me, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Okay, so we're asked, what's that first thing, guys? Was that a, was that a promise? Was that a command? What did he say? Mm-mm. Well, he it did have a promise. You're right. You tricked me a little bit on that. He says it comes with a promise, but what was the first thing? He commanded. What does he command? For okay, yeah, you personalize that. That's great, right there. For uh, for he says, children, obey your parents. For this is right. Okay, now, a lot of us are sitting in here going, "This is great. I'm kind of checked out right here." No. Uh, you know. Uh, it, yeah, you know, and, and we kind of can turn it off a little bit, but don't hang in there, okay? Um, let me ask you this, is um, when is it most, and you guys can answer this if you want, and everybody else can too, but I'm kind of curious. Van, I'm kind of curious from your perspective here too. When is it most difficult to obey your parents? <laughs> you, you've been thinking about this. Someone's like, oh, thank you, Lord. I have been waiting so long for this. When you're doing something, I don't want to be disturbed. And, and, and mom and dad are asking me to do something. And I don't want to do it, right? Do, what else? When is it? When else is difficult? Yeah. Very similar to, to what Sean just said. Is that, like, if, I, if I'm doing something that I'm enjoying, something that I, I'm in the middle of something that I'm about, you know, it's, that's when they're like, hey, come do this, you know, come. Yeah. Stop playing video games. Get off the couch for a second. Come help me do this. And that's when it's the most difficult to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to do what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's when I want to do something, yeah. right? I think, I mean, it's interesting. I never thought about this before. It doesn't say this only applies when you're less than 16 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's harder the older you get. Sure. Because you think you 
you know more. Right. And so as a 45-year-old man, it would, be very, it, it would be more difficult because I'm not dependent on my parents anymore. But it doesn't say this doesn't apply to 45-year-old men. I'd never thought about that. He, he doesn't put any kind of like, like disclaimer in there. Right. Like an age, necessarily. Okay. Um, what else? When is it hard? When is it really hard to obey mom and dad? Yeah, I just don't understand why you're asking me to do that. And that is so difficult. Great point. Okay, and it goes against maybe just, yeah, it's, this isn't what I believe. Now, this is a, this is a theme, though, too, is, is that there's the subjection to God. So if we're being asked to do something that's out of God's will... Okay, so if mom and dad, and he's saying, well, you know, if mom and dad tell you to do something outside of the will of God, there's subjection to God that trumps that, but maybe there's some other portions of that, you know, uh, maybe so. Yeah, when's it hard, Murphy? When you have like a whole day planned out, and then you get a call and says, nope, you're going to do this. Yeah. You know what's interesting is, is here's what the cool thing is, and you go all the way back to God's plan. You read Deuteronomy 6, and he's like, hey, parents, here, here's how you raise your kids, because it starts as kids. As we grow up, we learn, because you want to know what? You guys, and the, the under 45, the under 20, the under 18, you know, it's that idea of you want to know what mom and dad have to obey, too. And mom and dad, you know what's really difficult is when mom and dad, when we don't learn to obey until we're way older, all right? And God is like, no, this is how I built you, is you grow up in this family. And that's what's so important about a family. That's what's so important about this loving, safe place, because you learn about the will of God. So isn't it kind of a drag sometimes? I'm kind of looking at you. Isn't it a drag sometimes when mom and dad are like, hey, I want you to obey me? Okay? And, and here's the cool thing, and you guys can go and check me on this. Colossians 3 says, you want to know why this is important? Because it pleases the Lord. Would that make it easier to obey? If you remembered, you're like, okay, I don't understand this, but it pleases God that I obey. All right? Could, could you imagine God in his physical form going, that I am so happy with you because you're obeying your parents. All right? That makes a little bit of a difference, but I, yeah, you guys brought up some good things. What, what's difficult is, is when I want to do something and my parents want me to do something else. Yeah. All right, and so that's the thing. It's going, wow, uh, man, it, children, obey your parents and honor them. What's the difference in that? Like, obey your parents and honor them. Like, what does that mean, to honor your parents? What do you think of? Yeah. I think comparing it to God, you know, God doesn't want us to just blindly obey everything he does and not love him and not praise him and not make him feel special and i think the same goes with your parents it's one thing to yeah. obey your parents it's another thing to to really invest in it and go even farther than what they just ask you to do yeah absolutely okay going farther yeah i feel like this kind of covers when you were talking about how submission to god comes first that's when it becomes really tricky with parents is if they're asking you to do something that doesn't line up with God's will, that's when honoring them is a lot harder because I have to still respect them and love them even if I'm not doing exactly what they think mm -hmm. is the best path. So right. That, yeah, that's a lot harder. 
I mean, that's a really good point because mom and dad sometimes, I mean, I know this was my story and, and it's a lot of your story too, where, I mean, I, I grew up and I, my, my mom and dad were never taught Bible. They, they just, the way they chose the church they went to was because that was where their parents went to church, yeah. whose parents went to church there. And so the question is, they had no idea if what they were doing was in the Bible or not in the Bible. All right. And so when I learned the Bible, it was oftentimes my parents would ask me. They were, in fact, they sometimes discouraged me from doing sometimes what the Bible said, which was, you know, when I was baptized into Christ, my mom was very much like, don't do that. All right. And, and so that is a difficult, that's kind of a tough thing because there's this idea of I can do God's will and still honor mom and dad too. I can still honor them. Y'all must be a lot more just spiritual and better than me because, like, for me, even as an adult, like, for me, honoring my mom is just even calling her on the phone because, in all honesty, that's right. I mean, in my in my worldly nature, I would just, I mean, I just prefer my mom just to go ahead and pass on and not exist, so I don't have to honor her anymore. You know what I mean? So I don't have to have that in my life, so that I don't have to, you know, be respectful. Yeah. You know, and, and so I mean, like. That's a real thing too, and it does translate to God because, like, yes. I want to do, I want to do my thing, and like, I'll do, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I live a good life. I do all these things, and you know, like, don't tell me that all the things that I'm doing aren't aren't any good. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want any part of that. Yes. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, for me, it's like <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot lately about my dad, and he's getting older, and uh, I think about like my entire life, I haven't really ask him for like a lot of advice on things yeah like i don't yeah he's not the first person i think of when i think about let me get advice yeah um so you know i think god is honored when we ask him for advice or ask him mm-hmm. hey what should i do in this situation wow. yeah or, inquiring and i think that's what you know yeah. like i've kind of neglected that in my yeah. life with my dad yeah and so i'm trying to do more of that like i'm trying yeah. to and i think regard you know absolutely regard, that's really good you know, no, 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 that's really good because I think here's what ends up happening too is, is as we get older, we even can, there's, there's less honoring our mother and father because there's this, almost this idea of, but, but I've, I've reached this point and now you're dumb, you know, but it's funny is here, here's the thing. This is for us to really consider is it's like, so my parents became Christians. My dad was in his 60s and my mom was in her late 50s. Um, And there really was a culture of, you know, my dad being in his early 60s wasn't a stupid man just because he was a young Christian. And that was a, and can be a part of our culture where we think, oh, if you're a new Christian, then you must be dumb or, and and all these things going, hold on a minute. He's lived 61 years. Right. Yeah. of experienced life, yeah. you know, and so there is this idea of, of how we view people of, and, and our parents, do we view our parents as, no, I know more than you versus like, how am I honoring and even inquiring, you know, uh, of them, right? Last one. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I was at the hospital this past week and this doctor I'm working with um, is this Indian guy and his parents were visiting from India and he got this phone call busiest part of the day we're seeing all these patients his parents called because they were ready to be picked up and he said yes ma'am yeah 
He's, he's been a doctor for 20 years, yeah. probably the best, I mean, internal medicine, one yeah. of the best clinicians I've ever seen. He said, and he literally, right then on the spot, wrapped up everything and said, hey, in India, it's your parents' ring. He said, if they tell me to do something, that's it. That's right. And he literally shut it down, told me and the other med student to go do something. He said, and he went, left the hospital, picked up his parents and took them to his house. And yeah. then he came back. Yeah. It was like, and he didn't do it like, you know, I'm a doctor. Do you know yeah. how important I yeah. am? Right. He did none of that. He did it in a way like they deserve it. Hey, honor they mom and dad. It. it was amazing. Hey, honor mom and dad. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your mom and dad, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. All right. That, that's the thing right there is honor. And, and does mom and dad know I honor them? All right. That's the thing. Verse four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. And the kids are like, amen, amen to that. Finally, we're talking about mom and dad again here. Okay, but here's the truth. Ephesians 5 and 6 can really get convoluted. Satan can get in there because here's what we end up doing. He's talked about husbands. He's talked about wives. He's talked about kids. He's talking about fathers. And you know where we get messed up is all of a sudden when each group starts pointing to the other group about what they need to do. All right? Right, exactly. Instead of, you know what husbands need to do? Not worry about if their wives are submitting to them. Husbands are told, love your wife in Ephesians 5, like Jesus loved the church. If, if your response to that is, but my wife, stop it. Amen. All right? <laughs> Wives, submit to your husbands. But my husband, stop it. We have to get to that place because we lose sight of what we're being told to do because we're worried about who's not doing something. Yeah. All right? Children, obey your parents. But dad, no. Children, obey your parents. Don't worry about what dad's doing. All right? Fathers, don't exasperate your children. But my kitten, stop it. Amen. All right? This is what dads are being told. Don't exasperate your children any longer. Don't frustrate them. All right? These are talks I mean, we, me and Reese have had, and this is really great. I love getting, as Reese is getting older, like his thoughtful feedback on, Dad, you know what? You're coming across this way. And he's, I love it because he does it very respectfully. You know, I mean, it's not like complaining and all these kind of things. But it's, I'm hearing that. I hear that from my wife when I'm exasperating my children. And here's the thing is, is and there's three things just really quick that I learn and have to continually put into practice. If I'm going to obey this. Um, I've got to listen to understand my children. Does that make sense? Like listening's one thing. Listening to understand is very different. Mm -hmm. Listening and hearing can kind of go hand in hand. Listening to understand, like, hold on, let me understand you, all right, what brings down the exasperation level, right? Fathers, we've got to set special time aside with our children. We've got to set special time aside, okay? I mean, that's one of the things. This is some of my favorite time is me and Reese go to the Waffle House. I love that. That is like special time. This is just for me and Reese, all right? It's, it's, yeah, you get some waffles, but am I doing that or am I? And, and you don't have to do these three things, but think about this. Dads, we've got to be thoughtful about this, and we've got to think about how we're training. 
The Bible says bring them up in the training of the Lord. Okay? And if the dads, if you're like me, sometimes my training method is like shotgun method. Have you ever shot a shot? Have you seen the, 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 when you hit a target with a shotgun, what it looks like? Yeah. The, it's like this, oh, man, there's 500 pellets. All right? Versus you take like a rifle, and man, that puppy is like, bam, there's one. We've got to have more kind of the rifle training than the shotgun. What, what do I mean by that? Shotgun is like, let me give you 50 things to work on. Have you ever been exasperated by that before? Here's 45 things. Choose the top 35 and work on those. All right. I remember as a baseball player, as a young baseball player, when I went to camp, to, to baseball camp, and there was a professional hitting instructor that came. And he broke down every aspect of, of the hitting motion. Everything from like what you do with your hands and how you step with your foot and where your hips are, where your head is, and head at a certain degree angle and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I knew how to hit before that guy came and started talking to me. <laughs> all right. But, and this guy like trained professional players, but I went up there like a not like I was up to the plate and all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and then I'm swinging and the catcher's just throwing it back. Like I have no clue. I've lost it. <laughs> Instead of like, hey, you're right. And it's that idea of, hey, work on this. Let me give you one thing to work on. Yeah. And, and the other 99 things might be messed up, but let's work on one thing. But, but no, I want you to be courteous, and I want you to be warm, and I want you to be outgoing, and I want you to be grateful, and I want you to be obedient, and work on all those things today. Boy, that's exasperating, okay? And dads, we've got to be okay with, like, the incremental nature of growth. Yeah. All right? Let's, like, here's something I want you to work on, okay? And stick with that. And, and the other things, just we've got to kind of, you know, be okay with those being there for now, okay? And if you feel weird about that, God is doing that to every single one of us right now, okay? So you're crazy if you think God is like, here's 10,000 things to work on, Patrick. Okay, oh my goodness. We would walk around like Yoda. We would be so like, ah, you know, <laughs> we would not be joyful at all, okay? But God is about incremental growth and maturity as well. All right, and we need to be also, let's move on from there, okay? Verse 5, slaves obey your earthly master with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward Every one for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And this is, the, this is where we've got to like get the lens and get the context of what is he saying right here. Okay? Because our history as Americans is completely disformed from this passage. Okay? We... This is totally, it, we will not be able to like draw out of this if we are paralleling, and this has happened in our history, yes. where we parallel these verses with American slavery. Yeah. Okay, this is totally different. There's no way in the first century that the Roman citizens and the Ephesians would hear something like we had here in American slavery. There's no way. Okay, and this is how Satan can get in there and kind of lock us up. Yeah. All right. But he's saying this and this is what this is what they would have heard. 
This is what they would have heard when they read this, is more than half of the Roman citizens in the Roman Empire were slaves. More than half. Some people say close to two-thirds. Okay? And you know what that meant to them at that point was you went and sold yourself. You went and, 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 and sold yourself to somebody into slavery, like an indentured servant. That's what that was, and most people did it. Okay? Or you were kind of captured in war. All right. And it's very different, except there's there's two words here, slave and master. And for us, it's this idea of of this goes beyond, again, America. You know where this really hits me and you is that it's this idea of, man, it's kind of like how the kids felt when they heard children obey your parents. Even when you don't understand even when, and there's that, that hurts, and, and we even expressed that was when I don't get to do what I want to do, this is painful, okay? And he's saying, here's, here's how it is, and, and sometimes we even think, why didn't Paul take a stronger stance? Why didn't he take a more, a, 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 a deeper stance on slavery even here? Um, and, and it's interesting because there's two approaches. There's the root and the fruit. There is the idea of going, hey, okay, let, let's just, let, let, let's get rid of this altogether, like even selling yourself into slavery and all this kind of stuff. But in fact, what he does, he goes down to the root and he says, hey, here's, here's what this should look like in your life if you're a slave. Now, what's the parallel for us today? There's a really close parallel to employer and employee. Yeah. It, it, there is. Now, the difference is when you leave work, Okay, when, when, when Sean leaves work, he goes home and he's not, his employer doesn't govern him anymore. Okay, this is 24-7. Okay, but he is saying, hey, slaves, obey your earthly master. And, and there's this idea of, you know, let's look at it in today's world of as an employee. All right, is... Man, my boss is such and such, or so and so, or he's this, or he's. Uh, and and isn't it easy to be complaining? Like, man, this is what's wrong with the guy who, who who's my boss, and and this is their problem, and this is what they don't know, and this is what. And, and and again, what are we told to do right here? What's the clear command? Obey wholeheartedly. How? As if how, though? It's like, as if what? As if I'm serving God, right? That's the command right there. Like, there's no, like, wiggle room from that. Like, there's no way I can say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I won't do that. No, I don't like how this is written down. I don't like what it sounds. I don't like any of those things. He's saying, do it wholeheartedly. And look in verse 8. I want this to challenge your theology a little bit, okay? Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. We shy away from this theology sometimes. Do you believe that God will reward every good thing? Like, you'll be rewarded. 
Sometimes we're like, hold on a minute. Isn't that like prosperity theology? Isn't that like, you know, is it health and wealth? And isn't it, isn't it that? Here's what it is. The Lord will reward everyone for the good he does. Right? Does that make you feel weird about doing good? Tell me about that a little bit, because I think you're right. You're kind of like, hold on a minute. So should I do it because I'm going to be? Yeah, yeah well, it kind of feels like, 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 oh, I'm only going to do that for them. If they're going to do something good for me later. Right. And I don't want to be that way with God. No. Like, oh, okay, well, I'll do some fine uh, elevate. Maybe he'll bless me with a new job or a raise or something <laughs> if I do this. So that feels kind of Right. It's, it's wrong because we do, like, uh, the, the, the thinking in our brain can kind of like take us down places that it's not even going necessarily to, but it's not, he's not saying like, do this if I get this or something like that. He's really making a state. Remember we talked about promises and statements and facts and, and commands. He's saying this is just a fact. How would this affect you in making a right choice? Like you're being asked to, we are being asked to do something really difficult here. And he's saying, obey your earthly master. Okay, but doesn't it make it different when he says, listen, God sees and rewards you for doing good. What do you think? How does that make you feel? Like, is that, Ryan, you had your hand up. Yeah, yeah. so um, there's two things. Um, one is like, so I'm riding along the other day with this guy I'm working with, and, uh, you know, I invited him to my mom's house and all that, and I'm just reaching out to him. And he's like, well, you're going you're gonna to get on one day. You're gonna. I was just, you know, yeah. I you know, wasn't bragging about what I had, but he saw it. He's like, you're going to get on that. I was like, well, I try not to think like that. Yeah. Because it makes me feel weird about the good I do for my mom. I'm not doing it because I expect to get all these things one mm-hmm. day, you know. And I think we, we want our motives to stay pure yeah. about why we're doing it. Like, sure. we to do it out of the kindness of our heart. Right. Oh my goodness, and uh, that's that's just one perspective. Yeah. Um, Amen. Absolutely. And here's what this is this is like really tough for us because what he's saying is he's not saying change your motive. In fact, he tells you your motive: serve wholeheartedly. Like me and you do that, and 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 then by the way, let me tell you something about God, too. He rewards those who do good. Okay, that that has nothing to do with our motive. That's God. He tells us what we're supposed to do, okay? And so it's like prying our brain away from that. Juliana. I think, too, it can be like this feeling of like, well, God didn't fulfill that promise. Like, you know, I've been a disciple for eight years in my life. You know, things happen to everyone. And, you know, my life's not perfect. And I thought you're supposed to reward me for good. And I yes. think the reward of God is not what I think it is. Yeah. It's not going to be Amen. that life is great. It's not going Ex- to be money and a job. Like, yes. It might just be that I have peace inside of me and that I'm joyful. And just a little peace. peace inside. Well, nobody wants that. I mean, I'd rather have a Ferrari and be anxiety ridden. Right? We're like, no, man. I mean, this is what we want. You're exactly right, by the way, Juliana, is this idea of, if, if we're, he's assuming we aren't thinking worldly. Yeah. 
He's not going, oh, you're rewarded, and I really, man, I wanted that new uh, Trans Am and, or Corvette or whatever. Do they make Trans Ams anymore? <laughs> well, hey, they should, okay? Uh, but anyway, the point in that is, is exactly what Juliana's saying is, is man, the, God knows the deepest desire of my heart Amen. and of your heart. And the truth of the matter is, is it's okay to go, he rewards that, okay? In fact, to like walk away from that is, is we're, we're backing away from something that Paul taught Amen. even, that was the will of God. And so anyway, God, explore that a little bit, okay? And, and I think what Juliana brings up, what Jacob brought up, and what, what we're all bringing up is, is you know what we need? We need some time to like untangle the knots in our brain to know what does this look like? Like that, we've got to do that. That goes outside the realm of like this sermon, okay? It's going and untangling that because there's a side of it of, of uh, this isn't just this unfeeling, unemotional, you do this, he does that d- wholeheartedly, do it with a smile on your face and you better, you're not going to, you know, it's, it's not like that. It's God going, but no, I know what's going on down there. And he goes on, he says, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism, all right? It's that idea of, God, right there, Paul was like, hold on a minute, I'm going after the root. You're, you're a master, and you want to treat somebody poorly? Listen, God knows what you're doing, buddy, okay? Treat, this is how you treat them, all right? And so there's this idea of this radically different way that we look at social relationships, when we're Christians. It's radically different. All right? So whether we're master, slave, employee, employer, whichever it is. Now, now here's the thing, though, too. This is what I've got to keep in mind. There are a few things of how can I be, because right there in verse 6, we've got to keep this in mind. Obey them not to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ do the will of God. And it's that idea of, you want to know what? That makes all the difference in the world. Because in 1 Corinthians 6, me and you were purchased with the blood of Jesus. We were bought. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the price that he paid for you and you and you and all of us in here, the price was his blood. He says, this is what Ben is worth, the blood of my son. That's how highly I think of Ben and Chris, and Liz, and Ash. This is how highly I think of them. But I didn't force you into this relationship either. I bought you, and now you're in it, and live as slaves of Christ. All right, this 24-hour, that's so vital. And there's a few things. As I was writing this down, I'm like, okay, here's what happens. Here's when I'm like forgetting this point. You want to know what the things that go with that is? Is I stop being, and somebody brought this up actually. I stop being teachable. I, I stop being teachable. And think about that at work. Does your boss, do you inquire anything of it? Does he, does he look at you and go, man, that, they're really humble and teachable? Because we may spend more time like complaining than like, hey, let me like inquire. Let me be humble here. How grateful do, do people in the workplace, do they know how grateful we are or how disgruntled we are? Like there's a vast difference. One is a completely non-Christian lifestyle and one is a Christian lifestyle. One's dark and one's light. 
There's no okay in between there. And so I wonder if you went to work tomorrow and said, guys, tell me, do, do I sound grateful when I'm at work? Would you guys say I'm humble at work? Like, to go to your boss and ask them, do you feel like I'm like grateful for you and humble towards you? Because one is Christian and one is non-Christian. Disgruntled or grateful. And then sometimes I just wait to feel like obeying, like we talked about before. That's a tough thing. Yeah. Like, I'm going to wait until I really feel like it. And, 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 and there's a side of that that's so, I mean, we, we get fooled. In, in that thinking, right? We have fooled. Yeah, Matt. I just, in my mind, I just thought about what you were saying even before. If all of that with the kids and the parents stuff, with the bosses and being complaining or grateful or how teachable, all of that is whether your boss is being a good boss or not. Right. Whether you have situations at work that are worthy of complaining about or not. Right. Isn't it funny? There's this same kind of thing. Satan has not cooked up anything new. Just like we talked about with wives and husbands and children and fathers, it's so easy to go, well, if and, and but and, and that, and it's not perfect, and it's not, and then I'll do it. It's like this, it, we become if-then Christians. Like, if he does that, then I'll do this. Instead of going, hold on a minute, it doesn't say that here. Like, I've got to z- zero in and go, here's what I know I need to do. Amen. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. All right? In whatever case I'm in where there's somebody over me, I serve them wholeheartedly as if serving the Lord. As a husband, I love my wife like Jesus loved the church. As a wife, you know, if you're a wife, I'm not a wife, right? But if you submit, okay, to your husband, and and we've got to like drop the if then, and go, hold on a minute, it's clear what this is teaching. And one is Christian and one is not. Like, I can choose to not live in Christ. Amen. But I've got to take everything that goes with that. Yeah. Right? Somebody had their hand up over here. Somebody was like, I saw a little bit of a hand pop up. Nothing? No? It was one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's true. So anyway, parallel, ver- again, go back and parallel this with Colossians 3 when you're studying this out. Go back and wrestle with this. Talk about this with your brothers and sisters. But we've got to remember, man, we can't water down the truth. Right? I mean, it has to be like, no, it says this. Now, I'll wa- let's walk with each other as we get here. Okay? Older guys, walk with the younger guys. Older women, walk with the younger women. Older men, walk with the younger men. Let's, we've got to do that for this to be true.